0: Romantic, pedantic, and hypothetical Semantic and frantic, real or theoretical They give you the stats and they give you the news It's a baseball podcast you should choose Effectively Wild is here for you About all the weird stuff that players do Authentically strange and objectively styled Let's play ball It's Effectively Wild It's Effectively Wild it's
1: effectively wild hello and welcome to episode 2102 of effectively wild a baseball podcast from fan i am ben Lindbergh of the ringer not joined today by meg rally who is traveling also traveling from the oryx buffaloes to the los angeles dodgers is yoshinobu yamamoto Yes, the Dodgers have done it again, signing him to a twelve year, three hundred twenty-five million dollar deal that some might say is the most important signing in Dodgers history since last week. And here to discuss that is a friend of the show, Craig Goldstein, editor in chief of Baseball Prospectus, co host of Five and Dive, and yes, it must be said, fan of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Hello, Craig.
0: Hello, Ben. How are you doing today?
1: Doing well. Just us guys just broin out here. Yeah. <laughs> We were joking about the masculine energy that we're bringing to this podcast just a moment ago. (laughs) The two of us dripping with testosterone as usual. Very curious about whether you're going to embrace the heel role here as a Dodgers fan or defend the Dodgers, what will your energy be during this episode? Suck it, losers. We got all the good <laughs> players and you didn't. Or will you attempt to maintain the Dodgers' non-villain status?
0: I, I think in in just the worst cop-out uh, possible, probably some of both. Uh-huh. I, I, I think the, the thing about being a Dodgers fan over the last—I mean, really since— the Guggenheim partners or whatever the company is actually called. Yeah. Mark Mark Walter and his group bought the team, is that like I that that was a moment at which I, I mentally said like, okay, like you're gonna have to be comfortable with being disliked because of what it means, right? And and this is essentially the culmination of what it means, not not even Factoring in kind of the success of the last ten years, which I think a lot of people, ev- I get tired of the teams in in other sports and in baseball that are just routinely successful, except for my favorite team, right? Yeah. But I I have to understand that other people are going to get tired of this too, mm-hmm. and and I think like my my internal mental dialogue on that is like, well, you know, I understand it, but like too bad, so sad, or whatever, yeah, um, but. But I also, like, I will defend I, I will defend them on the grounds that, like, I think te- teams should be doing this, right? But I think people are understandably mad when it's, like, just the one team is. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a frustrating experience, right? And I'm not going to discount that, but I will also somewhat defend that, like, it's not a bad thing for a team to do it. You know? Yes, so, right. That's kind of where I've landed.
1: And we can get into the specifics, but I suppose it's not that the Dodgers have actually outbid They're rivals in these specific negotiations. Now, the fact that they've made multiple major moves, maybe not every team would or could do that, but in the bidding for Otani and for Yamamoto now... They've been matched by other teams, seemingly, so it's not just that the Dodgers are outspending everyone, though they certainly are cumulatively. They are presenting a more appealing package, seemingly, to players. Now, part of that, obviously, is because of their money and their success and their institutional advantages and everything, but it's also because they've been pretty good at this for quite a while, and so in that sense, they have earned it which again is not gonna make people resent them any less. I just, <laughs> yeah. I bring this up because all the reactions that I saw in the immediate aftermath of Yamamoto's going to the Dodgers were, well, the Dodgers are the baddies now, right? If they weren't before, yeah. <laughs> which I think probably they were in some yeah. circles, not just Giants fan circles, but more broadly, but they hadn't quite ascended to the level of heel or villain. As the Yankees, at least when the Yankees were operating like the Yankees used to and having the success that the Yankees used to, or the Astros, if anything, the Dodgers got some sympathy points because they were ostensibly a, an Astros victim, right yeah. And now it seems like, okay, no more leeway <laughs> for you Dodgers plus the fact that so many early playoff exits, right and so I, it's, I think that's a big part It's of, a big of part of
0: any uh, kind of lingering non-resentment. Mm-hmm. Was was due to the fact that they really they only won the 2020 uh, title. And I, I, I don't think I've done it here, but I've I've done extensive defenses of that as a I know people like to say it's a Mickey Mouse championship or whatever. I think there are a lot of reasons it's not and it doesn't yeah, make any I internal agree. internal sense to to say yes. it is. But uh, that's not what hating is about. So mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I I have ended that rant with uh, if you're just trying to hate, like, then I respect it. That's fine, yeah. and you, you get to say that because that's the point. Right. Um, and I think the Dodgers are going to get a lot more of people who are just going to try and hate, right, at this point.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: and look, they've they've done this on purpose, right? They've put that target on their back. I I've written yep. this in a couple after the Glassnow acquisition and and after this, but. You know the goal here at this point, and and they will be made fun of. Is I think from this point any, from this point forward. So not yeah. even counting twenty twenty, if they don't get multiple championships out of this, I think you're going to get people who who will mock them. Certainly, um, and and by their own standards, they'll have failed. Right. That's what that's what Otani said in in the statement that the team put out. He said parades plural. Mm-hmm. And Andrew Friedman has talked repeatedly about. The failures of the playoffs, even though, you know, I, I see a lot of success, like we talk about the success of the divisions, the all the wins, they've been the most successful team regular season-wise of the last decade. And I think that would wear on people, but I do think the fact that they've had so many high-profile flameouts in the playoffs has... I don't think it's engendered like a, a good feeling towards the team but it's <laughs> and it's it's certainly been mockable but yes. it's it's kind of withheld the vitriol that kind of stirs inside of people when right. you w- compared to the Yankees right and their their four championships in short order in in terms of even if you want to go to other sports the Patriots the uh the Warriors you know teams like that where it's just like it's and and again like as, as a more passive consumer of those sports, I'm like, get these teams out of here. Like, I'm tired of seeing them. It's not even that they're bad. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, it's not undeserved or anything like that. I just want new, I yeah. want fresh blood. Right. And the Dodgers are essentially saying after 10 what is it 9 division titles and 1 106 win season, they're saying uh no, you're not getting fresh blood. No, like we're,
1: we're never going to be rid of the Dodgers. <laughs> at
0: least in, you know until the playoffs, which I don't think yes. they're any sort of lock to to move on at point. So I think they're helping their chances, but but you're going to see them in the playoffs every year and I think people are justifiably going to groan at their shit.
1: Mhm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Even though there are more playoff teams now, it's still when you're seeing the same cast of characters. And of course, it's a different cast of Dodgers specifically, but it's those uniforms year in and year out. And so it did seem to be just a very reflexive. Reaction like okay, well that's it. We hate you now. <laughs> like not even just among the the hoi polloi, you know the right. mainstream normie fans. I'm talking about effectively wild fans in our Patreon Discord group. You know the the cognoscenti. Everyone just was like, well that's it. You know you're you're well, the bad guys now.
0: And I think again, I think well the fa- the fans are not opting for this, right? Like I I didn't say I don't get any say into whether they sign. Yoshinobu Yamamoto I now I'm happy they did but so the fans are not so much opting into this but the team is right the team is is putting that marker on their back and they're doing so knowingly now again my defense of this is that every team should be trying to win like this to your point the Mets matched the or the Dodgers I suppose matched the Mets bid here and he chose the Dodgers Farhan Zaidi said that the Giants accepted the terms for Otani so you're right Mm -hmm. the the they are not doing things other teams didn't do, essentially. No one cares, <laughs> right? No. Like, no one cares. And, I, and I'm not saying anyone should care. Uh, you know, maybe in, logically it matters, but this is not – I don't think this is purely about hating, but it's also not about logic. It is about emotion, yeah. right? It is that gut reaction that you're saying among anyone. It's just like, well, you know, like, everyone kind of thinks, like, don't you, don't you have enough? Mm-hmm. haven't haven't you done enough was was Otani and Glass now not enough and now look I would sit there and say look at their starting rotation before yeah. Yamamoto was was slotted in no it, it kind of <laughs> wasn't but they also it's not like they just said let's go do our Dodgers thing and fix Lucas Giolito Mm -hmm. Right. They said, no, we're going to go get like the 25 year old potential top of the rotation guy and sign him for 12 years. And also, by the way, it's a record deal and he hasn't thrown a pitch in the majors. Right. Like Mm -hmm. there 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 is a manner in which they've gone about it that I think naturally and understandably rubs people the wrong way. Yes, And and again, like I get it. And, and this is where I'm trying to say, and it's both things where like mm-hmm. I defend the process, but also I get why it bothers people. And also, sorry, it's not your team doing it, I guess. <laughs> like, I don't, seriously, I'm sorry it's not. And I think on some level, and I felt this, right? I have, I've had this thought when, when the Phillies signed uh, Bryce Harper, there are other moves like when, when they happened, I'm annoyed by it, but I'm annoyed mostly, like, it manifests a little bit in, like, oh, of course they did that, or, you know, whatever it is. Or maybe it's some of the Padres' moves the last few years. Like, oh, you know, of course the Padres are trading for Juan Soto. I want, But the the core of it was I wanted the Dodgers to do it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I wanted my team to do it. Of course, yeah. And it is, like, oh, now I'm, like, really annoyed at the Padres. But, like, (laughs) I'm annoyed that the Padres are just the stand-in instead Mm -hmm. of my team. Well, you can make Um, the
1: case, many people have made the case, that that strong reaction is a good thing, right? That that's why we watch sports, that we want to feel emotions, and that is an emotion, even if it's a resentment, even if it's, okay, I have an enemy now, it's someone we can all collectively root against. That's why people always say, it's better for baseball when the Yankees are the Yankees, the Dodgers are the Dodgers, right? Now, maybe there is a point at which it's not better for baseball, it becomes bad for baseball, but those strong reactions that this signing and the previous moves provoked, that's why we're in this to some extent, for the theater of it, for there to be good guys and bad guys, and for us to feel elated or infuriated, right? So in that sense, it is good. Now, because Yamamoto comes from outside the MLB ecosystem, maybe it feels a little less like the Dodgers are just collecting and hoarding a disproportionate share of a finite amount of talent. They aren't bullying another fan base directly in the way that, say, when Otani goes from the Angels to the Dodgers, Angels fans say, that's our guy, now he's in their uniform. Or when Mookie or Freddie goes to the Dodgers, then it's extra painful for Red Sox and Braves fans. Not that those two teams pulled out all the stops in trying to keep those players. In this case, it's just that some other teams had the idea, the dream of Yamamoto, that the Dodgers are stealing away, excluding or ex-Buffalo's fans, of course. And I guess as someone who's a neutral party here, who's not rooting for any particular team but is talking about the sport, writing about the sport, it is interesting, right? It is to have a super team as the Dodgers have been, to see that kind of collection of talent on the field at one time. There is something to that excellence. Like, we're drawn yeah. to Major League Baseball because it's the best people in the world at playing this sport and the best team of the best teams that's something that your eye is drawn to, right? Like I'm obviously excited to see Shohei Otani do whatever Shohei Otani does wherever he does it, but to see him do it on the same team as Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman and Yamamoto and Glasnow and on and on and on, (laughs) maybe it's an embarrassment of riches, maybe it's spoiling people, maybe it's excessive, but also I'm going to be watching a lot of Dodgers baseball.
0: Yeah, I I think that's right. Well, and I I think the other part of this, I think there's two things. Like you said, good guys versus bad guys, and I think some of what's held the Dodgers kind of the enmity towards Dodgers back a little bit is, you look at this team, and and one notable extremely long suspended player aside, like there is <laughs> not a lot of people that you, the the way that they play on the field or or kind of behave generally off the field are are drawing a lot of ire. Yes, uh, there, there there are there are elements of it even beyond the guy i mentioned i mean like you can get into kind of the the whole situation uh this summer with clayton kershaw and and various things like that but like generally speaking i think this is a group of of players people like um now they might be on a team they don't like or they might be Uh, the fact that they are on a team together is not liked but like people like mookie betts people you know people (laughs) generally i think like clayton kershaw you know people like freddie freeman or at least find them inoffensive yeah (laughs) right right, i'm saying before this but yes like shohei otani i don't think people have strong negative feelings around yamamoto yet uh
1: you know i've seen that reaction yet that conflicted sense like well i guess i've got to hate them But also these specific players and personalities, I'm sorry that I have to root against them because who doesn't like Mookie Betts? Like who doesn't like Shohei Otani, right? And so they're not leaning into the heel mentality or persona the way that maybe the Astros did partly right. intentionally, partly unintentionally. But <laughs> someone like Alex Bregman, for instance, who's like, you know, he was a heel before he was known to be a cheater, right? It's, yes. it's just that kind of player who pisses off opponents. And if you root for him, then you like him. And the Dodgers don't have so many of those guys. No, they have like Joe face Kelly. a baseball huggable. <laughs> well, for you, certainly Joe <laughs> Kelly is, is the guy who turns you into the Joker. But yeah, for most people, you would be inclined to like the Dodgers and so now if you're like a big Shohei Otani fan then you're probably feeling like man it was easy to root for him when he was on the Angels and you felt bad for him he was great but he was an underdog and he didn't have the supporting cast and now he goes to the Dodgers and you know, If you're listening to Effectively Wild, you're probably not the sort of fan who's just going to be mad at a great player for making a great salary. I think we understand how the economics of baseball work. With some people, it's, oh, these players are spoiled and they make too much money, right? But even aside from yeah. that perennial refrain, now it's just he's joining a super team. And again, I don't think you can really begrudge him or anyone for that. Like, If we were in their shoes, why would you not pick the Dodgers if you're choosing between the Dodgers and the Giants, let's say? you know, if the money is the same and the Dodgers are giving you just every year you're going to get to the playoffs, they're going to be the best at making you better, right? I mean, all the advantages that any other team can offer, seemingly the Dodgers can too. And so they've kind of earned that to some extent, like they have the big city setting and the ballpark and all those things, but also they have the track record of, we're going to improve players. We're going to maintain this winning team which is difficult to do even if you're a big spender you know the yankees are big spenders and the mets are big spenders and it still doesn't I, work out sometimes I Right? i
0: don't i might be wrong right this very moment i guess post yamamoto signing but i i thought i saw somewhere that said that they're third in this like i believe in, so in yeah spend, Like so they're not even first overall now again people that that is in, yeah. in terms, in of, terms of luxury,
1: yeah, luxury tax, right. yes, CBT, right? In overall payroll, I guess they're first now by like a million <laughs> over yeah. the month. Yeah, yeah,
0: and and like, look, I, there there are reasons that that's a again, like you can make that defense. I don't think anyone cares, but it is valid to say like, look, they're not spending kind of more than than some of these other teams, and I think. I I think the best defense I could mount on this on a level people might that might actually resonate with someone who who by all means doesn't need to care if you're listening to this is that they've saved a lot of money on like you know their player their vaunted player development system churns out a lot of guys right Mm -hmm. and and it's whether it's Will Smith or Walker Bueller or or fixes Max Muncie or uh, you know, turns up James Outman or whatever it is, right? But what they're doing is by, by the way I always conceptualize the idea of surplus value when, when back when I was first learning about it and reading it on fan graphs and BP and things like that is that you, you focused on development to get these cheap guys so that you could go out in free agency and potentially overspend. It wasn't always about finding a surplus value guy on the market right it was it was to say we're saving in one area so that we can be a little lavish in another and ultimately build the best team possible Mm -hmm. and to me that is what the Dodgers are doing now they they have more means right like even if Pittsburgh took this approach they would probably not be able to do it to the same scale as the Dodgers but they can still do a lot of it, right? I think it's more of the difference in scale is not as big as people necessarily think. But I guess the idea to me is still like, they're doing this, they're doing this in a way that actually I think is the execution of a strategy we all kind of internally understand. Mm -hmm. And that is not only understandable, but like the right way to do it, if you are able to generate so many low cost guys at the beginning of their career, Mm-hmm. To me, again, maybe that doesn't resonate with people, but like this, this is what it's supposed to look like, right? And like to your point about putting all these guys on the same team and all this, like on our free agent list for our top fifty, Otani and Yamamoto were one and two. Yeah, and of I course. think yeah. anyone has like that reflexive, natural reaction of like, okay, they both went to the same team, and that that team just, by the way, won a hundred games in a quote unquote <laughs> step back year. Yeah. There's a mental kick there that's like, oh, come on. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, <laughs> let someone else have the ball.
1: Kind right. of, you know what I mean? On top and- of Tyler Glass now and his extension. <laughs> so that's, that's $1.2 billion roughly. Now, when people say the Dodgers have spent $1.2 billion this offseason, they've committed to spend it over yeah. the course of many, many years, like 20 years in some cases, right? But it's still, it's a big number no matter how much is deferred
0: yeah and and again, I think you're gonna get into and it's it's hard for me to probably fully adequately explain this mentality because I I, I have somewhat intentionally like just decide, not decided not to fully understand it but like there's the whole buying championships thing right where where you're saying like why wouldn't Otani go to the Dodgers and and why is that any like why wouldn't he make that choice and I think what people who disrespect what it is that that the Dodgers are doing would say is like, he he's taking an easy route yes by mm-hmm. by joining uh Mookie and and freddie and obviously then you know recruiting glass now and uh yoshinobu yamamoto and all these this other you know again it was a hundred win team last year by doing that he's taking some sort of easier path and look i guess he is taking an easier path i just don't know why i should care <laughs> about that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I, and certainly I'm biased in this case, but I I mean that in general, like if, if he had gone and joined the hundred wind Braves, I would have groaned because I, you know, the Dodgers and Braves, I don't want to have to face the Braves with Shohei Otani as a sure. Dodgers fan. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, like, I don't fault him anymore for it, but there are people who do, right. Mm-hmm. Who say like, he should go out and, and essentially do this, like, there's more validity to a championship where you're not surrounded by other stars. Essentially is, is the argument. This is, you could, you could make the comparison to Kevin Durant joining the Warriors. Right. Yes, Which is like, Oh, he's only won championships with, with Steph and clay and Draymond and, and, and so on and so forth. And people respect that less.
1: Yeah. I'm not one of those people. So I don't know how that works exactly, but like they absolutely do. Well, my rejoinder to that is, and has been, A, he hasn't done it three times or whatever, like Durant has done it, but also Mm -hmm. he hasn't forced his way out of any less advantageous position. He signed with the Angels. He could have signed with the Dodgers six years ago, right? And he chose not to, Mm -hmm. and he suffered the consequences of that. I think we all did, honestly. We all did, in a sense, (laughs) yes. And so having been in that situation, I find it hard to fault him, for saying, you know what, I'm not going to take any chances here. Like I went to the angels, I did everything that a baseball player could possibly humanly be expected to do and more. And that was not enough. And so, yeah, I'm going to go to this team that has won a lot, but it's not like he demanded a trade or said, I got to go here. Like he put his time in and he got to go to where he wanted to go and also. It's something that we say we want about players and free agents that we want them yes. to win, right? That they really want to prioritize that. And given where he went and how he structured his contract, I think you can certainly say that about Shohei Otani. Maybe you can then complain that he didn't make it harder on himself by going to another team that was worse. You could also say, like, he could have gone to some other team where he would have been the only star, right? He would have been the guy kind of carrying that team. And that, in a sense, it's unselfish of him to go to a team like the Dodgers that has so many stars. He might still be the biggest of them, but he's going to have to share the spotlight somewhat. So, yeah, I find it tough to fault him for that, which is not to say that I don't understand why people are pissed about it.
0: Yeah, and, and again, like, I, I think it's a real clashing of a number of things that we, we and when I say we, it's like, it's a ton of voices that want somewhat different things. So, but mm-hmm. but generally speaking that we say we want out of athletes, right? Like we want them to want to win. We want them to make sacrifices for winning, right? And you could argue, I, maybe he didn't actually make a sacrifice. He's gonna get what he was gonna get no matter what, but in his structure, right? In, in the way he, Otani structured the contract it, it is highly unselfish right mm-hmm. like well i it's it's unselfish financially it is it is selfish uh on the competition level like i've i i wrote this and said this like there is something very self-serving about the way he structured this contract and it's not there initially because the the so much of the money is delayed but he's going he got a commitment from the dodgers who are following through on that commitment to build out more to to not stop with him Mm -hmm. right and and essentially to not stop you're gonna he said i want you to be you know as competitive as possible while i am here well that's to his benefit right like if he wants to think long term and have a legacy great now he's going to be in the playoffs every year and he's also going to you know so he's going to try and win multiple championships and he's going to give himself the best opportunity to do that and then when he's done with the Dodgers in 10 years you know potentially they're going to have obligations to him but he won't be there and that's mm-hmm. not his problem anymore so mm-hmm. in in a way it is self-serving to structure the contract this way but it is also self-serving in the way we want athletes to be self-serving yeah. right to to win, like to focus on winning above all else mm-hmm. and this obvi- and so the way he did that was again to to obtain a commitment that they would keep going them sign trading for glass now and extending him and then signing yamamoto is is them following through on that right which is again arguably what we want out of our sports franchises to to right. actually to not care about things like the luxury tax and a repeater penalties and, and all of this stuff. And to just say, let's build the best team we possibly can. Mm-hmm. And that is clashing with our general, and again, very human reaction of like, not these guys again, mm-hmm. like enough, enough of these, like, yes, but you've already kind of been doing it. So let's again, let someone else have the ball for a yes. little bit. <laughs> and, and again, I get it. I get it. I don't fault anyone for feeling that uh, there's just you know to say it's contradictory isn't to say you should change how you feel it's just that like we have these kind of conflicting emotions uh yeah. I- generally speaking in situations like this yeah. I, you know I, you could say the same thing i probably felt the same way when the when the braves traded for for sean murphy after getting matt Olson. it's like again like you like <laughs> oakland again atlanta
1: again like why got the extension (laughs) immediately yes right right right, Mm -hmm. exactly
0: and it's obviously look it's hypocritical as a dodgers fan like dodgers you know whatever but like i you know do i want the easiest easiest path to championships possible yeah a little bit i mean again Mm -hmm. i don't want people to discount any championships they might win but i also i want to win them Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) and i want to have the best (laughs) chances to win them yeah It's funny that this is coming on the heels of a season when money was anything but a guarantee of success. As we've talked about in this podcast, as I've written, it had almost no correlation. I mean, the lowest correlation between spending and winning in decades. And many of the teams that attempted to, quote unquote, buy a championship to kind of, you know, accelerate their timeline by spending, that backfired spectacularly with the Padres and the Mets and the Yankees missing the playoffs. Of course, you had the Rangers as the counterexample. They spent, they got good enough to get into the playoffs and then they won a World Series. So mission accomplished. But by and large, this season was an argument against the idea that you can just buy your way to winning and i think baseball is protected from the stigma of buying a championship by the randomness of the postseason which gives and it takes away i think there are things that are bad about that i think there are things that are good about it and one of the things that's probably good about it is that you really can't buy a championship. There's no guarantee whatsoever, even for the Dodgers as they've demonstrated over and over again. You can kind of buy your way into the tournament at least. You can give yourself a lottery ticket. Again, not In a foolproof way, as the Padres and the Mets and the Yankees just learned, but the Dodgers have demonstrated that not just through spending, but also through their acumen at constructing a baseball team. But obviously money gives you a buffer. It enables you to compete despite some contracts that didn't work out. It gives you a better shot of being there year after year. But there's essentially no chance at a dynasty happening in MLB anymore. So you can get sick of seeing the Dodgers every October, but you're probably not going to be sick of seeing them hoisting trophies and, and going in parades because that probably isn't going to happen that many times. Now, I think the reason that they have catapulted themselves into a higher tier of heel and villain here is because... This is kind of uncharacteristic free agent spending by the Dodger standards, right? Because people yeah. think of the Dodgers as big spenders, and they are, but they often haven't been the biggest. And even with all the moves that they've just made, is this their highest payroll team? Maybe not by much if it is at all, but typically they're not blowing everyone away they have made some major commitments, but on the free agent market, especially under Andrew Friedman, it was mostly like, you know, Rich Hill and A.J. Pollock and Chris Taylor and Ken Lee Jansen and yeah. Justin Lest Turner. Less we forget the, yeah. the
0: Brandon, Brandon McCarthy and Brandon Scott McCarthy. Asmere. Season. Yeah, um, these are like yeah.
1: 50, 60 million dollar deals, right? Now, then there was the regrettable Trevor Bauer contract. <laughs> yep. And then there was the Freddie Freeman deal. And of course, there was like Zach Greinke and Kevin Brown Granke years and years ago. I mean, right. Now, that's yeah. the thing. Yeah, they, they have certainly extended people, but in the free agent market, it's almost like it was a relic of Andrew Friedman's Tampa Bay days. He typically. Wasn't going to be the high bidder. He wasn't going to be the one with the winner's curse. Like the Dodgers came up short on Garrett Cole and Bryce Harper, right? Like they were not blowing people away in that arena. And now they have like this is (laughs) this is a different dimension. So, yeah, there was the Mookie contract. But again, like the Mookie contract, you know, they traded for him. And then, again, they had the, the payroll flexibility, quote-unquote, to make that move because they have so many players who are underpaid relative to their production because they've done such a good job of just developing prospects and developing players. And now this is a little bit different. They just set their sights on the two best players probably available on the free agent market, and they said, yeah, we're going to go get those guys. So I think that's why this is maybe a different kind of hatred for the Dodgers just because they haven't done it in quite this way. Like, they, I think they still had the reputation of doing what they're doing, but it, it wasn't as earned and deserved as it is now.
0: Yeah, they had hyper, I mean, they're, they're, at least per cots, their CBT 40 man figure for 2022 was 293 million. Mm-hmm. I think we currently have them again per cots at 288 right now. So they're slightly under that. I think fan might have them even a little bit lower. I think I saw uh, someone quote, it might've been like 282 or something yeah, like that. 282
1: right now, according to Raster Resource.
0: Yeah. So, so I mean, you know, obviously it's, it's, it's a difference of about five, 6 million. It's, it, I'm sure there are various reasons for that, but arguably they were slightly higher in 2022 on the CBT total. And again, like, that's a lot of money right like the the year before they were at 280 essentially 286 right like this is this is payroll that dwarfs other teams but you're right they they have not they've generally stayed away I mean the Freddie Freeman contract even was I mean it's very reasonable right like in in so many ways like and and the Braves decided they didn't you know they were going to do Go get Matt uh, Matt Olson, and then no one really pushed the Dodgers on mm-hmm. Freddie Freeman that year, and it was just kind of like, okay, thanks, I guess. Like mm-hmm. here's <laughs> right. here's a potential Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, it's in his thir- he's in his thirties. But like, yeah, it, it it wasn't exactly like they went out and and were the vi- you know the villain of the offseason, right? They just kind of took what was what came to them. And, and and that was their path in a lot of
1: off seasons. super strong free agent class last offseason. And they essentially sat it out. They let a ton of talent leave for this, by the way. Yes. This was, now, this they wanted to get under the tax and <laughs> right. they didn't. Right. But
0: they but they basically said. And again, as a fan, I think this is what you'd want any team to. Well, your team to do anyway mm-hmm. is is to say, like, OK, we didn't do our finance. Like our financial machinations didn't work but our plan is still available aside from the money so let's go do it Mm -hmm. and and as much as they i went through this on on our transaction analysis and again it's based on cots and and other figures might differ slightly but they're now going to be in the fourth time repeater uh penalty and they're going to pay uh anything over 297 which i have to imagine they'll clear uh potentially it, they're going to pay a 95% tax on that money. It's 62% on money between 257 and 277, which they're, they've obviously surpassed or sorry, anything over 297 is 110%. They're already at 95% on some money. It's it, all of it. To, it sounds like a lot. It's $33 million, mm-hmm. which is both a lot. And also like, if you're the Dodgers, should you care that much
1: mm-hmm.
0: now there are there are draft penalties there are you know there are these things, but like that's all of these by the way as as much as this I feel like this podcast was supposed to be a bit about Yamamoto, like
1: yes, we will get all, to him.
0: <laughs> all of these are reasons that Yamamoto made so much sense for them to go so hard after he, yeah he is he's twenty five you, you don't mm-hmm. get twenty i I thought Joe Sheehan said this really well in his newsletter on this last night but like we don't know what teams will offer to 25-year-old top of the rotation potential starters Mm -hmm. because we don't see it ever so he's 25 he's a potential top of the rotation starter the stuff justifies that and he's not going to cost them additional draft penalties to sign other than the tax ones which they were essentially already incurring so there there's not a draft pick penalty associated with it and at twelve years, which again, like people are going to look at the money and say, and and the fact that it's a record deal. And look, I think with these record deals, they're just they're doing what the player obviously wants and and what the agents want, right? The yeah. agent wants to be able to say, I I got the record. Yeah, and, it's
1: it's so funny actually that how transparent that is because yeah. it's it's always like topping it by just enough, right? Like oh,
0: I mean the J D. Romuto. <laughs> one to me was like the (laughs) the the biggest one but yeah it's a million dollars here it's obviously three more years than than. uh but but again i i go back to joe sheehan's newsletter where he talks he kind of compares him to Aaron nola and like i had no problem with the Aaron nola signing and you look at like the dodgers are getting 31 to 37 from yamamoto assuming he doesn't opt out i don't know where the opt-outs are i don't know if that's been discussed yet but like I know there are two of them, but I don't know where. Mm-hmm. But they're potentially getting thirty-one to thirty-seven, which is what Nola is is signed for. Uh, but they're also getting twenty-five to thirty, and they're essentially getting it all at just about the same average annual value as Nola is getting only for thirty-one to thirty-seven. Right. And it's hard for me to to think like that's anything but an incredible deal, even if he's a good third starter or or you know a, a low number two instead of. Potentially a number
1: one. Yeah. So the actual terms here 12 years, $325 million. That includes a $50 million signing bonus. It does not include the almost $51 million posting fee that right. the Oryx Buffaloes get. So that takes the commitment for the Dodgers close to $400 million. So it's a lot, right? And mm-hmm. it's not just the dollar amount, but as you said, it's the length, particularly for a pitcher. And if you saw that, Initially, without knowing anything about Yamamoto and how young he is, you might think that they were trying to tack on extra years here to lower the <laughs> yes. CBT hit. You know, the, the tax dodgers at it again, right? But it's really not that because at the end of his contract, this will take him through his age 36 season. That's how young he is. So many of the long-term deals that we've seen signed in recent years, we're talking 39, 40, into the 40s. This is going to take him through his mid 30s right Right. now who knows if he'll hold up over the next 12 years but just purely based on the age that's why this is the longest deal for a pitcher and the biggest deal for a pitcher by one million dollars over garrett cole (laughs) so not really the biggest thing well, to take and into Cole, like In all
0: likelihood, Cole is reclaiming that at the end of yeah, this he, year, he, right? He, like, he
1: can opt out, and if he decides to, then the Yankees can keep him by adding on another year to that contract. So that would take, I guess, the guarantee, depending on how you define... Guaranteed dollars. But yes, uh, just as it probably wasn't a coincidence that Otani ended up at 700, which was just enough to clear Messi or anyone else, right. it's uh, not a coincidence that Yamamoto is at 325. You know, it's just a little bit well, of one upmanship. And, a bit and of not right. only
0: 700, but even the backed out, right? You back it out to net present value. It was still, it was clearing trout, it was clearing yes average annual value of. Of Scherzer and Verlander, right? Like mm-hmm. he, the, like the the reason it made so much sense once you sat down and thought about it. That like the reason they got to seven hundred, the reason they got to the the four hundred and sixty net present value is, and and the reason it works over ten years is because the agent, I mean, he as a player and the agency, and an agent gets to claim rec- three different records essentially,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, in the process.
1: And I'll also say there is a narrative out there. There has been. That Japanese players, pitchers specifically, when they come over to MLB, don't last that long or don't age that well. That they kind of hit a wall after their first couple seasons. And you can certainly list examples of Japanese aces who have come over and who have been great at first and then didn't do so well after that. I wrote about this when Otani signed and people were saying that. And I guess Otani hasn't really countered the case of maybe they won't be that durable. But what I found is that that perception seems to be entirely a product of the age when Japanese stars Mm. tend to come over, because that's what people don't factor in. By the time most Japanese stars or aces get to MLB, they're typically in their late 20s at least already. And so what I did at the time was I came up with a group of comparable players who were roughly the same performance and the same age. And relative to those pitchers, that cohort, the Japanese pitchers aged perfectly fine, if anything better than most. So I think that's what people don't factor into that reputation if it still exists is that, yeah, by the time you've proved yourself and you've become a free agent and you've come over, you're already essentially past your prime or like at your peak maybe, but nearing the decline phase. And that's not the case with Yamamoto.
0: I I mean, there's there's a real, parallel to free agency there right yes i mean just in general that like the guys who make it there are are certainly special in a way but also almost everyone is subject to to aging Mm -hmm. and and the wear and tear and things like that and and the guy again like you know Aaron nola is relatively young for some free you know for free agents that he's going to be 31 a lot of the, the younger free agent classes are 29 30 31 and it's like well, you've you've already done a lot, you right. know, the, yeah. there's a lot of wear and tear at that point. And so mm-hmm. it, it is. Yeah, right. I mean, it's, it's the same reason people say free agency doesn't pay. And it's like, well, maybe not. But like, you can't get the other guys because they're under team control. So like, this is what this is what you're dealing with. And, mm-hmm. and it's a little bit the same with the guys who come over from from Japan.
1: Yeah, and I'm a big believer in Yamamoto. I'm interested in your thoughts on how good he'll be, but he's just been absolutely lights out, obviously, even when you adjust for the fact that it's been a low-offense era in NPB lately. Just completely dominant. Not as much of a strikeout monster, maybe, as some guys, but incredible control, incredible command, home run suppression, which maybe won't transfer over completely in a higher home run rate league but he's got it all, and he also has the stuff, which yeah. you mentioned earlier, the critique that he hasn't thrown a pitch in the majors. Well, yes, that is absolutely true, but we know he throws major league quality pitches because we've seen them, and there's a, you Eno know, Saris article about this yep. that I will link to, but you just look at the stuff, and we have access to the stuff from his WPC performance this year, and it marks him as a top-of-the-rotation guy, an elite guy. If you want to Deeper scouting report on Yamamoto. We had Eric Long and Higgin on on episode twenty ninety eight and talked about him at length. And Eric said, and I think I agreed, like he's probably like a top five pitcher in baseball without ever having been in MLB before. Maybe you think that's aggressive. Maybe there's more uncertainty than there would be with someone who has done it in this league. Obviously, you know, different schedule, different ball, yep. language barrier, cultural assimilation, all the challenges that come along with that. Of course. But he is just fantastic. Like, you look at the stuff that he has and, you know, the grades on those pitches based on a small sample granted and maybe going all out because it was the WBC. But even so, like, the guy sits mid-90s. He can get up to the upper 90s. He probably has a better fastball than Otani, for instance, who Mm -hmm. throws harder or can throw harder at least, but doesn't have the kind of movement and deception that Yamamoto has. So it's an elite four-seamer just because of the rise, quote-unquote, the arm angle. It's just giving guys a different look than they typically have paired with the elite command that makes all of his stuff better. Eno forecasts that he probably has the best splitter in MLB on day one. He's got the slower curve, and that grades out very well, too. The only pitch in his arsenal that doesn't grade out so well is the cutter. But again, it's just another pitch that he can throw in there to give you a different look. And not only are all the pitch characteristics great, but they all play up because he has this pinpoint command, and he can put the ball where he wants to. So... I know he's not a big guy, there are concerns about the frame and everything, it's just, it's so hard to say what that means, because it's uh, like a Russell Carlton N equals one example, right, where (laughs) clearly it's worked for him, he hasn't had arm issues, he's barely had any injury issues whatsoever.
0: A lot has been made of of his uh, his routine. I guess. Yes. Right.
1: Yeah. He doesn't lift weights. He's very into the you know flexibility and stretching and yoga, etc.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you wanted to maybe take a more dour view of it, like the the name that comes to mind to me, and again, when <laughs> if you're worried about the 12 year commitment, is a lot of this sounds a little bit like Tim Lincecum, mm-hmm. um, yeah. who who was listed 511 probably close to 510 about the same height and relied a lot on his freakish kind of flexibility athleticism yeah not physicality but but other parts of it and and also had different training methods than mm-hmm. uh most of the league at the time and things like that so and again like th- there was an incredible peak for for tim Lincecum. i don't think but you know if you're committing 12 years like you want you you're going to want to get more than than lincecum ended up lasting right um if you want i just i'm i'm trying to think off the top of my head like like you're right this is n equals one but like if you wanted to expand it out to nearest neighbors or Mm -hmm. whatever i don't know the actual statistical method i apologize but like (laughs) there's something right like that right and i think lincecum would probably be up there
1: yes i think that makes sense and there's some evidence so jeff zimmerman did a study on this years and years ago at this point that maybe shorter pitchers are more prone to injury again it's just a small sample and also like the guys who make it who are in that group they probably do a bunch of stuff that makes them special (laughs) so that they even got that opportunity but yeah lincecum i mean he had a high effort delivery like it was it was smooth but like you could tell that he was getting every last ounce of energy out of his frame and that long stride he had and everything whereas yamamoto just deceptively Easy delivery, like especially before he really gets going, like the small step he takes, like his he's yeah looks so low effort, and then you get that just like he swings into action, and and suddenly the pitch comes out way faster than you're expecting it to. I don't yes. know whether that bodes well or bodes ill. I guess you could say either. <laughs> it like is a big difference, though. It is a big difference. Yeah, yeah.
0: This Patrick uh, wrote with well, Jenny. Patrick and I combined for a TA uh, mm-hmm. on this last night, based on when it. When it broke and and patrick kind of wrote the section about what he actually throws and and he says uh he basically he, he said that he puts less effort into his like initial step uh in his motion than like the backup catcher throwing in you know <laughs> pitching in a blowout yeah. which is it's kind of true and then he says like in the, in the blink of an eye the motion transform and he ends that sentence with that that section with a sentence that i absolutely loved which is a gun doesn't need a backswing um mm-hmm. because it is there there's no it's he's i mean like there's no backswing right it's yeah. just this like very light low effort thing and then all of a sudden he's throwing mid to upper 90s and right. that it is not only deceptive but it's just it, it's it's wild to see honestly yeah, um, it is yeah you watch <laughs> him and
1: he doesn't blow you away immediately right especially because of that i again i don't know if that's good or bad because i nor guess it, nor i yeah it, no one knows <laughs> right but I guess the Dodgers think it's good. But, you know, if you have a high effort delivery, that's often regarded as a bad thing. But if you have a low, like the force has to come from somewhere. Obviously, he's imparting that explosive force on the ball. And so you could say, well, maybe it's better if you're leveraging your whole body, right? Like if maybe it's putting too much stress on his arm or something. But again, maybe it's, you know, like people say with batting stances where you start, in very different positions, but like once you mm-hmm. actually get right. to the point of of swinging, you're all sort of in a similar position. Maybe it's not so different, at least with the delivery, where yeah, he he has that low effort first step, but then you know obviously the force has to be generated. So does the fact that it's generated in a shorter time or in a different way is that? bad I don't know is it good like yeah we're all kind of guessing especially when we're talking about an individual pitcher.
0: and and to your point about like n equals one like he he is someone who seems very attuned to exactly what he needs and wants to do right like yeah. he Patrick mentioned this but like he changed his motion between mm-hmm. 2022 and 2023 to be more repeatable to get yeah. even you know even more fine-tuned command and control he does these various different workouts because he he's determined, you know, what his body needs to do to be able to do what it does. Mm-hmm. And that is something, and, and, you know, you mentioned the the pitches, the and, and I do recommend the article from, from Eno as well. Like, the pitches, like, maybe, you know, I don't know what every team told him. I'm sure they all said you can do whatever it is you've done because yeah. you're great. But <laughs> – maybe the Dodgers pitched them their pitch design, right? Like mm-hmm. they've had, if you want to compare them to the other teams in the finalists, who are finalists, you know, the Mets have someone new in charge. They haven't had as many kind of pitch design or, or rehabilitative uh, pitcher wins. And the Yankees, who actually do a, a very good job of yeah. of getting the most out of arms, like it's they still have tended to be... It's been a lot of relievers. It's been Mm -hmm. a specific type of guy through their player development system and less like we've brought a guy in at the major league level and fixed them. There are obvious examples, Clay Holmes, et cetera, that, that they've done that. But I feel like the Dodgers track record on that is a little bit longer. And maybe they said, like, look, we've got ideas for your cutter. Right. Yeah. Like, you you know, we they've they've introduced cutters for a lot of guys and and fairly successfully. Right. They've they've done this or, you know, or other pitches. Right. They know how how arm slots work, how, you know, pronation versus supination, all of that. And and look, the Yankees and, and Mets know this, too, but they have a different reputation right now. And mm-hmm. I think they're leaning on that and potentially taking advantage of it for someone who obviously is into the minutiae of these things right um, th- by the way he goes about it
1: that has helped the Dodgers sign some guys who are more in the reclamation project mold like yep. Noah Syndergaard for instance which, <laughs> which didn't work right, out so well great. <laughs> yeah I don't know that he was the most apt or willing pupil to be honest but I,
0: my understanding for what it's worth from from just public things Friedman has said is that there was no like he was extremely willing
1: He's Mm -hmm. just not able. So that helps if you're the Dodgers and you have that track record to get that kind of guy. I don't know if it helps more or less with someone like Otani or Yamamoto who are at the top of their sport. On right. the one hand, they don't need help necessarily in the short term, but maybe they got to that point because they are willing to do whatever it takes to be great. And also if you're signing for a decade or more, you know that at some point you might need to make some adjustments because well, and, you know. going you to look right, some you, stuff.
0: You look at Kershaw, right? Mm-hmm. Who came up with the fastball and curveball and developed, the slider well with the team right this this add up to this team that helped him adapt and well he's been hurt a lot like age very gracefully over over the course of his career in terms of performance when he's on the mound right yeah. that should give you some confidence if you're looking at these things now maybe he wasn't maybe he's looking at dollar sign and location and you know whatever and and this is all tertiary or 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 beyond but we can only really speculate at this point. I, the the other thing I would say on top of the the stuff is that if you look at I think any projection system, I I, I don't know if Zips, I, I saw Dan Zimborski post something uh, about it, but I I haven't seen Zips specific projection for him. But I I have Pakota's up. It's on our depth charts. It's on our leaderboards right now. We we project him for a seventy five DRA minus, which is twenty five percent better than league average. Yeah. It's really damn good. I mean that's. Yeah. That's if it's not a number one pitcher, it's just shy of it, yeah. um, you know, depending on your definition of that. Like ace versus, number, you know, whatever. It's it's right around there. Now, mm-hmm. that could be wrong. I mean, like the, the projections from leagues coming, you know, for, from non-MLB projections tend to have a little bit more noise for all the reasons you said. It's a different ball. It's a different schedule. All this kind of stuff. But even if you discount that sum, right, you're getting you should be getting a really really good pitcher so i think when you combine something like that what what projection models say what stuff models say what scouts clearly say right like i don't want to appeal to authority that you just say oh the dodgers are smart and good at this and they gave him a lot of money but that's that's at least a factor, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> that, that if they didn't if they didn't actually believe in him, then they wouldn't have done this. But the money can be overstated, right? They are very much in a place as a franchise that is we're willing to burn some money for this talent upgrade. Whether the money is maybe a little over our valuation or, or moderately over valuation or not. So like the money might overstate it somewhat,
1: but they wouldn't be doing that if he wasn't. Worth most of it, I guess. Yeah, and clearly a lot of teams were (laughs) similarly interested, right? So, And I think it's important for the Dodgers because even though it seems like they are, as I've said recently, a perpetual playoff team, there is no such thing in the very long run, extremely long run in the Mm -hmm. Dodgers case. But even though they keep this going and they still have a strong farm system, they do have kind of an older core, right? And a lot of their guys are... You know, thirty-one Mookie, thirty-four Freeman, even though he seemingly gets better with age. <laughs> Max Muncie is thirty-three. Chris Taylor is thirty-three. Jason Hayward is thirty-four. He's not maybe part of the core, but you know, and Bueller. Even is... the
0: rookies are old. James Altman's twenty-six. Right, yeah.
1: <laughs> and, you know, even like Glassnow's thirty. Bueller is 29 coming off an injury and yeah. I guess also not under contract for much longer, right. And so yeah. to get someone like Yamamoto, who's just 25, I mean, not that the Dodgers were in any danger of having a window close or anything, but if you were to try to concoct a scenario where things went south for the Dodgers, it would have been that. Like, yeah, everyone's at an age where potentially they could decline or they could get hurt. And so this gives you some insurance, right? Just another mid-20s guy who's at the peak of his powers. It's just, you know, like there will be rookies coming up who are Yamamoto's age, even though he's done so much and pitched for so long already. So it it future-proofs them in a way that they weren't already.
0: Again, having no knowledge of it, I have to think that was behind some of Otani's, like, you need to commit to spend more now. because look everyone who said like they don't need to do this is is right on some level right I think if you add Otani even with all the question marks around the rotation right if you sub in Pepeo for for glass now uh as it was before that trade etc like are the Dodgers winning the division and making the playoffs in all likelihood yes right like so he's he would have gotten his crack at the at the playoffs anyway in all mm-hmm. likelihood but I think I think that recognition that Mookie is 31 and Freddie's thirty-four and and all of this kind of stuff is is, you know, Will Smith is under 30, but he's gonna be a free agent in two seasons, I think. There was a recognition that like, yes, you'll make the playoffs, but you actually also kind of need to make the most of these two seasons coming up.
1: Yes. You know,
0: right. in a lot of ways. Then you have to then you have to churn and figure it out after that too, but like you really do need to push now. Mm-hmm. Uh, to make truly the most of it and and i i did want to say this when when you were talking about kind of the randomness of the playoffs and the way that it is it is a kind of more of an equalizer in baseball than it is other other sports i i couldn't agree more and you know i think there's a lot of people that roll their eyes at the kind of money ball era cliche of like the playoffs are a crapshoot, but. I think people need to understand that, like, it is a crapshoot, right? Yeah, but, but even as more than talked it was about,
1: when Moneyball came out. So yeah,
0: absolutely, that it is. But that that sentence doesn't end there, mm-hmm. right? Like, this is what I I keep falling back to is the playoffs are a crapshoot, uh, but that doesn't mean you don't you can't increase your odds yep. of winning right mm-hmm. like what the dodgers are doing are in a way loading the dice but that yes. doesn't guarantee a, spe- a a specific or particular outcome right. it just increases the likelihood of that outcome and th- that those outcomes are still extremely diffuse mm-hmm. right but the point of the playoffs being a crapshoot to me is to then say go do what the dodgers are doing load the dice as much as you possibly can understanding that even then you're not getting you're not even getting like a 50% chance of winning right yeah. you're never going to get there but you still need to do the most you can do it's not a reason not it's it's not a reason to say let's back into the playoffs with kind of the most mid team possible and pray it's exactly the other direction for me which is the playoffs are a crapshoot so do the most you can to
1: to actually stack things in your favor Right. Yeah. Now, if you're a team that has fewer resources, that has a less favorable TV deal, let's say, in the days of the cable bundle bursting, then maybe you can't quite have that mentality or it's not as easy to have it. It needs needs to be the goal. I'm not you can't do it the same way. Right. Exactly. And so the Dodgers saw what happened. NLDS sweep. Their rotation was decimated more than decimated. Their big bats went completely cold, and they said, okay, well, then we'll go get another big bat, (laughs) the biggest bat maybe, and we'll go get two top-tier starting pitchers, and you never know. like When the playoffs roll around again, maybe some of those guys will get hurt. Maybe the lineup, as great as it looks, will go cold again or will not come up in the clutch, but... As you said, they've made it more likely that things will go their way by just building in more and more redundancy. Like, you know, three guys can not get hits with runners in scoring position, but maybe a fourth guy will get that hit. Right. So exactly. And now you look at their rotation and who knows how the season will go and how these guys will hold up. But if they enter the playoffs in 2024 with Yamamoto, Glasnow, Bueller and Miller that will probably qualify as one of the best rotations in baseball at that point, assuming that Bueller has pitched somewhat like his old self and Glassnow actually is intact at that point. Yeah. And then you look at 2025 when Otani theoretically yep. rejoins that rotation. Granted, I guess you don't have Bueller under contract currently for that season, but you have Dustin May maybe coming back, Tony Gonsolin, and it's just a monstrous and, and a bunch
0: of pitching prospects too, Yeah, that, of course. Like Sheehan, Frasso, yep. you know, I mean, and, and look, those guys could all go out the door for Dylan Cease. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I when I wrote the glass now transaction analysis, i said like the Dodgers have put us in a place where traditional transaction analysis is kind of rendered useless, right? Mm-hmm. Because of the way that they're doing, they are, they are again, by their explicit admission saying this is about championships. So, the, this regular season analysis of whether, you know, whether I think Tyler Glass now is, is a good bet for this extension and, and this trade because of the number of innings he may or may not throw is kind of pointless. It doesn't matter. What they're gambling on is that he will be healthy in October over, you know, four, to, four out of the five years he's under contract or five yeah. out of the six potentially on the, on the player guarantee or a player option. But that's their gamble that he's available when they need him because they're they're taking for granted getting there and maybe that again that's a thing people are going to hate but if you were in their position it's what you should be doing right like if if you were suddenly andrew friedman that is the approach you need to take to load the playoff dice as much as possible and it all makes sense under that guys and and to the point that you know you're saying you you brought up their, their flame-out of, of last year's uh, playoffs against the Diamondbacks, like, so much of this offseason already, before, before Ota- I mean, like, right after it happened, everyone's like, LOL Dodgers, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I saw Chad Moriyama saying this, and, and he's obviously a partisan for, you know, he's a fan of the Dodgers. Not that he's afraid to criticize them, but he is a fan, uh, probably even more than I am. And, like, I think he made the valid point that, like, the expectations of the Dodgers were basically here already, like, you know, you mentioned people said, oh, that's it. They're, they're the baddies now. But, like, they were they were there, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, they were maybe likable baddies, but they were, everyone expected them to win. And when they lost, it was a lull-worthy event,
1: yeah, right? Th- there were reasons to dislike the organization, whether it was because oh, sure. of the Bauer signing or the crime spreadsheet or, <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, wh- <crimes.xlsx>, Right. <laughs> but, but the players themselves, yeah, were pretty likable for the most and- part.
0: But it was because of the expectations that the the club has created for themselves when when they didn't succeed, on, and and by succeed I mean win a World Series. Like you know, people again say the only one they've won is this this shortened season one. It doesn't really count. Like this this all this stuff is held against them already. So to your point about like embracing being the heel in these moves, like I think I think that's actually very much what these moves are they're saying like we've got these expectations uh Mm -hmm. both internally and externally like let's just go try and meet them as best we can and and that's what the motivation here is and and I ended our transaction analysis today kind of saying like the the most common refrain I saw from the 2023 about the 2023 Dodgers were along the lines of you know remember when they started Lance Lynn in an elimination game and Mm -hmm. the Dodgers do right yes that's what this yeah the dodgers remember you know like this is they remember that and they did not keep him around they they had an option for him uh and and they went and did this instead and this this is a reaction to
1: that yes and obviously now if they lose again in the playoffs then the mockery will be amped Uh, up (laughs) absolutely and if they win then everyone, everyone will say will roll they bought the championship, say, right? You, yes, you did
0: what you were supposed to do.
1: Exactly. Right? So I they mean, can't that, yeah. win from a a global PR perspective, but you, that's not can't really care. your goal, right? Yeah. I mean, they
0: can't care about that. And, mm-hmm. and and to your point about kind of where we started on this, like as a Dodgers fan, I can't care about that. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. I I the, like I just need to celebrate their winning for winning. Like I the the thing I think that drives people nuts about the Astros. And maybe other teams in this situation is and 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 it's true across so much of our culture and society right now is that winners can't just win, they have to be liked or they have to be told like you they did it right uh they have to be righteous or justified, and it's like no. <laughs> You know, I'm good with the winning. Uh, yeah. and, and I don't mean by any means necessary, right? Like, I don't want them to do crimes.xlsx and, and yeah. things like that. Like, I, I did not want them to sign Bauer. I, I, I wrote about that at the time. But, like, I want them to win. And I'm not, like, I don't, I don't need other people to, to appreciate it or to like it. Like, I'm a fan. Like, I'm just, I'm happy with the winning you know what i mean like it's fine with me and i hope i hope that's the attitude the organization has and and if you're a dodgers fan i think like that's just where you've got to be is mm-hmm. that like you you cannot expect or want other people to respect it they're not going to that's not how yeah that's not how it works <laughs> in in the long run they will right like 20 years from this period, if they win three World Series over the next 10 years or whatever, people will will look back and say, you know, they went and did this and that's fine. But in the moment, no, like we're, we're all haters to some degree, and it's just not going to come that way. So you just have to appreciate it on your own terms. You can't you can't have it be about what other people think about your favorite team winning. You just yeah. have to appreciate that yourself.
1: Yes. and. They're obviously going to be Japan's team now. Yeah. They have a, a rich, storied lineage of Japanese players going back to Hideo Nomo. But... Uh, Yamamoto
0: himself was a Dodgers fan.
1: Right. So with Otani and Yamamoto on the same roster now— who knows how much additional revenue people have had projections that have said, you know, these contracts are going to pay for themselves in that and the way that Otani's is structured with the deferrals and they can invest that money and they can make bank before yep. they actually have to pay him. And Yamamoto's contract is, is traditional compared to Otani's, <laughs> no deferrals whatsoever. So I, it's sort of I easier saw, to understand.
0: I saw Barbecue, he pulled out the J.G. Wentworth on them. I, <laughs> yeah. I need cash now yeah (laughs) right
1: And look i don't know that they're the best team in baseball even so atlanta's still right up there and i I don't yeah i I don't know that the dodgers are done even which uh is going to make people even more mad to say that there might be more moves to make here but there's some uncertainty in the middle infield certainly and of course there's the clayton kershaw question i don't know how you feel about this now Mm. you know having gotten the two top free agents available including the best player in the sport and also probably the best pitcher available on the trade market and your nemesis joe kelly returning (laughs) other than that you've got to be feeling pretty good right now so is some part of you like yeah but there's still some unfinished business here like would this feel incomplete if clayton kershaw is not a part of the dodgers yes yes
0: Mm -hmm. my feeling on kershaw is I want him, and he seems to want to pitch again, which was the biggest concern for me after his last, you know, the the game one against the Diamondbacks, which is, for his sake, I just didn't want that to be his last outing. Yeah. And that, that was my big concern, was that given the shoulder injury and the surgery that he might just say, this isn't worth it. He's gone year to year the last few years anyway. He's just seemed, like, you know, he seems so old like he seems like he's in in a tier with verlander and scherzer and he's like four years younger than them yeah and it never feels that way to me and so there, like there's arguably like you know four or five plus more years he can do this at least you know 15 to 20 starts a year or something like that and it, it just would have been really sad to me if that was the way he went out mm-hmm. and i know a lot of people would have taken joy in it because for various reasons but like it just to me like it's not the way you don't get to decide how you go out generally but like he kind of he probably does to some degree and it it just would have made me really sad i really emotionally really really hope it's with the dodgers right like i i want him to be a dodger for life like that's something i've written about this about the juan soto trades and stuff that i don't i do understand it but like there's part of me that doesn't understand why teams aren't just saying like be here forever right like be our guy and because i'm a fan who i've i've had Clayton Kershaw right his whole career with the Dodgers and i want that to continue i want him i want him to be a one team guy that's so special these days and rare and it would mean a lot to me at the same time the biggest thing that as, as i was saying the biggest thing that i care about is that he gets on on the mound again, and I hope he looks good doing it. it it's yeah. going to be with the Dodgers or, or probably the Rangers. Those are really, mm-hmm. I think, the two teams in contention. I care mostly that that wasn't the last the last thing we see of him. Yes. Right? That that Sam's article about how he's just hangs his head mm-hmm. in the dugout isn't like I just don't want that to be the last thing. And if it's with Texas, I would come to peace with that. Uh, there are a lot of reasons it makes sense to be with tax I think Chris Young is like his neighbor or something right like <laughs> um and and he lives there obviously and I think he travels back home a fair amount during the season and that's obvious that's even if you're flying private like like that's that's a lot of travel and so like it would make sense to me I I could come to terms with that but but the biggest thing to me with Kershaw is just getting him back on a mound and hopefully not an excessively diminished version
1: right. uh, of him is yeah. is
0: that's the biggest thing in my mind
1: and if the dodgers bring him back it's insurance now i know that usually kershaw is the guy that you're bringing in insurance for <laughs> right yeah. but but if he comes back from the surgery in the second half or late in the season i know it's like playoff kershaw right like it, yeah. you know you're bringing in playoff kershaw to be your postseason reinforcement but who knows uh, if they'll lose other guys well we in, know in
0: dave the, likes yeah. to bring him in in relief so, yes, there's that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the irony of it, of course, is like the, the Rangers are also kind of this same kind of pitching staff model of like there are a lot of elite guys and hopefully they're healthy at the right time. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. it's it, they they obviously DeGrom uh, and Scherzer are going to be out most of the year. They signed Tyler Molly, and who's obviously not on the same level, but like he's going to be out half the year or so. Like will Nathan, you know, Nathan Evaldi is going to miss time. At some point, mm-hmm. John Gray is going to miss time at some point. And it's like, it, he's kind of, it's just piling variance onto, onto variance with, with either of these staffs, kind of the way you look at it. But yeah, right. no, I, I want him to, and, and I don't know how he sees it. Right. I don't know how, if he sees this as like an enticement to, to come back to the Dodgers to say like, look at, look at all the options we have. It's not all on you. Yeah. O- or if it's kind of like, oh, you're replacing me.
1: Right. I don't I know hope he's, i hope he's <laughs> part of it yes but maybe we can finish by talking about the teams that missed out on yamamoto here yeah. because there's no one to pivot to who's in that same kind of class unless i guess corbin burns is actually available That's about it you can't sign some other free agent who's going to replace the production that you were hoping for from him and obviously some of these teams had set their sights on yamamoto for quite some time and had made the trips to japan and had earmarked that money for him and in some ways i think it's less frustrating that the dodgers aren't just blowing everyone away with the money so much but in other ways it's more frustrating (laughs) because if they were just outspending everyone then if you're a giants fan or a mets fan you could tell yourself well, we just couldn't compete with the money. I mean, maybe you can't say that if you're the Mets fan. and Steve Cohen is your owner at this point. But, you know, if it were only money, then you could say it was only money. Whereas right. now, it's not only money. The Dodgers have a lot of money, but they also have other aspects other traits other attributes that are convincing these players to come to them and that feels almost like more of a snub you know it's like it's personal then it's like you were you were spurned you know they weren't just chasing the dollars they decided that they preferred this organization so that that kind of hurts especially if you're a giants fan which a You hate the Dodgers to begin with, so (laughs) it's doubly worse when you're losing out on a top free agent who's going to your greatest rival, but also when it seems to be part of a pattern, when it's Judge, when it's Correa, when it's Otani, and now it's Yamamoto, right, and over and over again. And look, our pal Grant Brisby was saying on Twitter, if you want to attribute this to something, it's probably not the reputation San Francisco might have in some circles, it's probably primarily... The fact that the Giants haven't done the job that the Dodgers have done or that a lot of other teams have done in drafting and developing, right? And so they do not have that core. And it's tough to convince the top-tier free agents to come there. So Grant's like, look, we got to actually draft and develop well and have an internal core. And then we can play in maybe the second tier of free agents as they did with Lee. And we can convince some of those guys to sign. And then you build yourself up to being able to bring the big guy right who wants the ideal situation but it's tough like if you're the yankees obviously they wanted him. although maybe not enough to go to 325 it seems like maybe they topped out at 300 i don't know if that's because they also employ garrett cole like like, do they not want to top the cole contract i (laughs) do wonder if that was part of it right
0: that you don't want to
1: Yeah. Or if you're the Mets and he's being wined and dined by Steve Cohen and who's meeting with him on multiple continents and it's just not enough. And they've said or there's been reporting that maybe, you know, they won't just spend that money on someone else. They will hold it. Right. We've kind of wondered which way the Mets would be going after they did their deadline dumping. But I don't know. It's like on the one hand, it's not great that you have, say, the Rays, who are like, we can't afford Tyler Glass now, and we'll trade him to the Dodgers, even though we're a contending team that doesn't have a high payroll. <laughs> and so, when you have the Dodgers like absorbing that contract and then also spending on free agents, like it'd be better for baseball probably if a team like the Rays was willing to just pay Tyler Glass now. You know, yeah, you, you can't complain that much about a team that's always in it. There are plenty of teams that don't spend and don't win, and the Rays don't spend that much as much as they probably could, and they do win. But even so, it'd be nice if they were willing to take that plunge, right? But Yeah, oh, absolutely. What do you do now if you're one of the teams that was hopefully penciling in Yamamoto? And the Blue Jays were in the mix, too, as they are so often for many free agents. <laughs> and the Red Sox were reportedly in the running, too. So, you know, they, Tom Werner, their chairman, said they were going to go full throttle this offseason. And I don't know that Tyler O'Neill counts, <laughs> right? So, <laughs> so what do you think the aftermath of this is? Because, like— if you're the Yankees, uh, you got to get some pitching. So where's that going to come from?
0: Yeah, I think they're in a really tough spot because for exactly the reasons you said, like th- there is not a kind of one to one or even like one to one and a half or whatever replacement. Like right, like this, you can go sign Blake Snell. Yeah, but every I, everyone I know, both in the industry or, or in the media, is kind of just like looking at him through a, a little bit of a jaundiced eye. Right, like the mm-hmm. the results are obviously. He's won two Cy Youngs, right? Like it's, but those are the only two seasons he's thrown over 130 innings. And again, like arguably the Dodgers don't have to care about that, but almost everyone else does. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how many of them want to be on the hook for the kind of deal that Snell is going to get. And again, you're paying for different years, right? That This is is Yamamoto being 25 kind of rearing its head again in all these other guys, is that none of them are that young. Mm -hmm. And so... You're paying for and, and none of them are necessarily necessarily going to be as good, even in the short term. So you're taking a step down in potential quality and then also buying like more of the downside years or, or not maybe the same number, but you're only getting the down, you know, more of the downside years. So, yeah, it's I, I mean, the trade market is available to your point about burns cease is out there. There are a number of things, but they they cost very differently. And Mm -hmm. that was that is again why Yamamoto made so much sense for the Dodgers is that it was only money, right? Like it it was only cash. Now it was a lot of cash, but it was only that. And the other part that seems like a little unfair is like of all the teams, if they had missed on him, they have a lot of these upper level prospects that don't necessarily have a role on the team, right? Like Michael Bush, is going to be twenty six and might not, you know, Miguel Vargas is twenty three and might not have a a a spot on the team and like they could go out and trade for someone i don't know you know we saw what the the yankees already dealt for juan soto and for one Mm -hmm. year of him i it's not that their farm their cupboard is bare but like could it be after they trade for corbin burns or dylan cease it could be close Mm -hmm. you know i i don't know i i don't think that there is a great option which is maybe why people are a little more annoyed with the dodgers than they might otherwise be if, if this was kind of a more abundant yeah. offseason plan. You know, obviously the Yankees are still looking at Jordan Montgomery. Mm-hmm. And look, Jordan Montgomery is, is, I've kind of raised my opinion of him a lot over the last couple of years in terms yep. of his ability to succeed on contact in a way that I, I didn't necessarily think was sustainable. That's still a rough profile to invest, you know, 180 to $200 million in to me. Yeah. You might have to. You might just have to swallow it and hope it works. But, for example, we saw in the World Series, and I'm not saying he's going to come out like this every year, but but he's, again, over 30. And we saw in the World Series when he when he was missing a, a tick and a half uh, after coming back on short rest, he got two whiffs the whole game, and one of them was a check swing. The, the margins for him on velocity are... You know he doesn't need it to succeed like some other guys but he also is closer to the danger zone than some other guys you know mm-hmm. what i mean yeah and and so that worries me too and and you could just go down the list of available guys and kind of nitpick them like this mm-hmm. so that's the yankees i to your point on on the giants i i saw grant's colleague uh steve berman say the giants first round picks since 2010 have accumulated a total of 10.8 war For their careers, five five point four, so half of which came from Joe Panic. (laughs) Right, the Dodgers in that time have gotten sixty eight and a half.
1: Yeah, and it's not like the Dodgers are always getting to draft at the top of the draft either, because they're always winning. So right,
0: so you know that is that is you're right that I think that's a huge thing that they need to overcome, and I think I think a little bit of what it speaks to is, and this is generally not talked about for teams specifically like the giants but like the the giants haven't not tried obviously they had that 107 win season kind of out of nowhere but like they've kind of been the same team generally at least vibes wise i I think around that kind of outlier year but it kind of speaks to the value of not that and and again they've tried to swing big but it, it speaks to the value of going out and getting someone even if it's not necessarily like the perfect time it's, it's to the Rangers strategy, right? They went and got Semyon yeah. and, and Seeger early. And then they went and said, like, okay, you know, obviously he got hurt, but like Jacob deGrom, like, look what we have, right? Like, we have these guys, we're poised to win, we're going to keep spending. The Giants have made it clear they're going to keep spending, but you look at their roster and it's like, well, what do they have? they they, they have some good players like you know wilmer flores has been a huge win for them jd davis has been a huge win for them they've they've gotten a number of like nifty things they have logan webb but like it's it's not corey seager and marcus Semyon, right like it's they don't have that kind of anchor right and they're trying to get some of these other guys to be in it it's a little unfair right they went hard for aaron judge and they they almost signed carlos correa right it's a little unfair in that respect which but yeah
1: they're probably not really regretting that at this point. no <laughs> no pro-
0: probably not but you know what i mean like they still don't have that kind of anchor and they they've needed it right they mm-hmm. they probably needed to go get a different anchor after that and again i know they've tried and they, they can't seem to get someone to take their money the way that they they want to but it i i do think that's part of it to your point when when you're one of these premium premium free agents like you're looking at the team and saying like okay the money is the same across from from the dodgers to the giants to the to the yankees to the mets like which team do i want to be on which Mm -hmm. which organization do i want to be on and who gives me the best chance to win and it's it's hard to point to the to the giants at that point it's hard to point to the mets right now Uh, you know they, they have different problems they have you know all this kind of stuff but like I'm I'm not worried about the Mets long term, but like if you're comparing them to the Dodgers right now, it's you you kind of know where team, where players are going to go. Yeah, um, they're not and, Dodgers and, East yeah.
1: yet. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, I think they'll get there, but mm-hmm. not yet. The, I think the only thing you can say, kind of as consolation, if you're either of the New York teams in in this regard, is location might have been a factor, right? Like. Mm-hmm. It is an it, uh, you know another five hours in, in the air that some of these guys might not want to do. Yamamoto came up a Dodgers fan. The Dodgers were long considered Otani's preferred destination, uh, you know, heading into this free agency, and it might have just been like their agent's ability to to get the contracts that they got right, mm-hmm. like to to pit other teams, you know, to involve them like this. But you could you could tell yourself. Well, it was always going to be the Dodgers. And that might that might actually be true, but it doesn't kind of change the implied flaws of making that choice, of those free agents making those choices.
1: Yeah. Right? And the Dodgers have picked their spots and they haven't retained everyone. They didn't get Seeger back. They yeah. didn't seem to make much of an effort at keeping Trey Turner, right? No. But they have managed to have that underpaid relative to production portion of the roster that does allow them to splurge and go get the elite talents. And those are the ones that they have really broken the bank for, right? Like when they're going to spend, they're going to spend on Mookie Betts. They're going to spend on Freddie Freeman or Yamamoto or Otani, right? And those guys don't come along that often. But when they do, the Dodgers are in a position to spend on them without completely breaking the salary scale Because they get more out of some players than you would think, given their salary. And that's not really something you could say about the Yankees or the Mets at this point. They might spend as much, but they're not getting the bang for their buck. So is there any part of you that feels bad about this that feels guilty because <laughs> my, after my heel moment yeah well after the Mets spending spree last offseason when other owners and front office people were complaining we had some Mets fans emailing us and saying I feel vaguely guilty about this or I, I feel like I'm not going to be able to enjoy this as much if they win which obviously their results show that there's no such thing as buying success with any kind of guarantee but they felt, and maybe it was because they were coming off of the Wilpon years and it was just unfamiliar to them. And so in one way, it was really refreshing and exciting. But another way, it was like, is this the way to do it? Like, do we deserve this? Or, you know, this is not our reputation. This is not the way we operate. Has any of that external criticism gotten to you about we're not doing it in a way that we can feel super proud of, or we're taking the easy way out, as people say about Otani?
0: you know the Stephen a Smith uh, gif where he just says we don't care <laughs> yeah and laughs and then says we don't we don't care that that's where I'm at like yeah. no no mm-hmm. I don't and and again like if that's being the heel like that's fine I think you need to accept that on on some level like people aren't gonna like it um, and and I don't fault them for not liking it I'm not saying they're wrong for not liking it but you don't have to like it i, I you know, i'm the fan of the team of course i like it like i i don't feel bad you know i i don't even again like i don't get the criticism about buying championships i like i don't none of that makes i shouldn't say it doesn't make sense to me it doesn't resonate with me like as a criticism i i don't care it, it is always fun to to win with your own guys right i mean like that there's no denying that but like what i want to see is is great baseball again like the season's yet to be played but i think i'm really gonna going to get treated to that all season long and if they if they do win the title like that's that's what people in our sports culture have decided to care about the most uh i i i've jokingly kind of said like i'm just going to be an extreme regular season guy because i i I, that's there's safety in that right like if you're a dodgers fan there's safety in the regular season in that like they've they've won it a lot and also they're they're likely going to win it a lot more but i actually do like it's true also it's a joke but it's true that like i value the regular season pretty highly in terms of my day-to-day experience is going to be really good i've i've i'm obviously not detached myself as a dodgers fan but i've become more uh i guess sane about it there there was a time in my life where like the dodgers winning or losing would would substantially affect my mood that day and like For 162 games over six months like that's a lot to that's a lot of emotional swings to put yourself through and i've I've done better at kind of backing off of that but like am i going to be happier more days than not with this team going forward uh even with extremely high expectations during the regular season i am and that's that's a huge win for me um and i yeah i i don't i don't feel bad because part partially because as you've said like the mets the mets made this offer to yamamoto the giants accepted the the otani terms other teams could have done this and and they didn't or or they did and, and and it you know wasn't winning it wasn't the winning bid and i don't know why why should i feel bad about that um i you know i would potentially get to a point where like if i thought it was bad for the sport maybe i would say that but still not feel bad as a fan i don't i don't even think we're there I think it's possible you can get there, but I'm not even sure we're particularly close. And maybe I'm biased in that. I I don't know if you feel the same way, but no, I don't. Yeah, I don't feel bad.
1: (laughs) All right. So you heard it here first. Craig Goldstein will bathe in your tears if you are (laughs) crying about the Dodgers. By the way, it was reported by Ken Rosenthal, as we've been speaking, that the opt-outs are after years six and eight of the deal. The deal is somewhat backloaded, which is not unusual. So he would be opting out of higher salaries if it comes to it. But obviously, won't have to worry about that for several seasons. So thank you for breaking this down with us. And I don't know if you've uh, persuaded anyone with your defenses of the Dodgers here. But much as it's hard to hate individual Dodgers, even if you hate the Dodgers as an entity right now, Hard to hate Craig Goldstein as a representative (laughs) of the Dodgers fan base. So thanks for coming on and suffering the slings and arrows here of uh, people who want nothing to do with Dodgers fans right now.
0: Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure as always.
1: And please subscribe to Baseball Prospectus. We love Baseball Prospectus. Pocota is out right now. You can go get the projections. The coverage is always fantastic. Listen to Craig on 5 and Dive. Everyone, please support BP's efforts. It's a wonderful website. It's where I started. I'll always have a soft spot for it, and you're doing a great job. Thank you, Craig. Thank you. Alright, that will do it for today and for this week. Thanks as always for listening. Thanks to Craig for filling in. Thanks also to an uninvited guest, my dog, Grumpkin, who couldn't stop herself from weighing in from time to time on this episode. Also, Fangraph's Dan Samborski let me know that Zips projects the Dodgers for 96 wins in 2024. Not so super sounding. Zips has the Braves a few wins better than that. A few follow-ups from last time, we mused or Meg mused about the appropriate verb to use to describe putting a hockey team on the ice, as in fielding a Group of baseball players? Well, listener Triumph let us know it's to dress, as in roster moves are allowed during the NHL's roster freeze if a team can't dress a full squad. As listener Jewfish replied, so they just can't undress a player during the freeze, probably because they'd get cold. I almost made a joke about the NHL having a roster freeze because it's cold on the ice. We also answered an email from listener Tim, who has been to every ballpark in Major League Baseball or the affiliated minors, except for one. That one, I've learned, is Atrium Health Ballpark, home of the Kannapolis Cannonballers, the Carolina League affiliate of the White Sox. He'd been to the previous Canapolis Stadium, but got rained out when he tried to go this year. He says he's covered at least forty five thousand miles just driving, and we were wondering what mementos he kept. He says mostly photographs and a big spreadsheet, and he's also documented his travels at a blog, baseballbyways.blogspot.com. I will link to it on the show page. Finally, we talked about the rules surrounding tampering, teams or players expressing interest in another team's players. It's against the rules. However, Brock writes in to say, I thought I had, should it have been considered tampering when after the in Arnado trade, he said that he'd been sending friends on the Cardinals his own highlight videos to, quote, show to Mo as in John Mosalak, Cardinals Pobo. Some quotes from a story, Adam Wainwright said, the last year or two he's been sending me video when he was trying to get traded over here, he would say, hey, show this to Mo. He would be in the middle of the offseason taking ground balls down the third baseline and doing his little jump throw from almost the dugout and making a perfect throw. And that's not the only video Arnauto sent. Wainwright says he also, by accident, sent the entire team a video of him working on his swing late one evening during spring training. Brock says, based on what you read from the secret rule book, this sounds like a textbook example of what isn't supposed to be allowed, but of course, the parties are in reverse from the examples we're used to seeing. Rather than a player acting as an extension of a team, lobbying another player to come to their team, this is a player lobbying a team to acquire him, importantly, while still under contract and playing for another team. And yeah, you know, reading the rules, I think that is probably against the letter of the law. I think it might be tampering if you're pitching yourself as a prospective player. But if you're doing it privately, who's gonna know? That's an example of a little story that I don't think I had ever heard, which reminds me, to remind you, that we are still soliciting submissions for stories that we missed about each team in 2023 it could be an off the field story it could be an interesting stat something strange that happened in a game whatever it is send it in we want one for each team and we will run down them all in an episode next week Meg and I had actually recorded an episode before the Yamamoto news broke that was supposed to be the third one this week so that one is in the can fortunately it was not an entire episode of speculation about where Yamamoto would sign it's a little less time sensitive so that pod is wrapped and sitting under the tree and maybe we'll make make it available on christmas morning as a special gift to those who celebrate or at least those who celebrate a day off for now you could give us the gift of supporting the podcast on patreon which you can do by going to patreon.com slash effectively wild the following five listeners have already done so they've signed up to pledge some monthly or yearly amount to help keep the podcast going help us stay ad free and get themselves some perks joe hildebrand christopher james eberwine thomas pickles and Robert Livingston. Thanks to all of you. Patreon perks include access to the Effectively Wild Discord group for patrons only, access to monthly bonus episodes, one of which we will be posting soon. Meg and I are offering some year-end recommendations, things we watched or read or listened to or played this year. You also get prioritized email answers, potential podcast appearances, discounts on merch and ad-free Fangraphs memberships, and so much more. Patreon.com slash Effectively Wild. If you are a Patreon supporter, you can message us through the Patreon site, but even if you're not, you can contact us via email, send your questions and comments and suggestions for stories we missed to podcast at fangrafts.com You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash effectively wild You can rate, review, and subscribe to Effectively Wild on iTunes and Spotify and other podcast platforms You can follow Effectively Wild on Twitter at EWPod, and you can find the Effectively Wild subreddit at r slash effectively wild. Thanks to me for my editing and production assistance I handled this one solo. We hope you have a wonderful weekend. We hope you have a great Christmas Twixmas or Dead Week or whatever we're calling the week between Christmas and New Year's, but we'll be there to keep you company, so we will be back to talk to you early next week. Baseball is a simulation. It's all just one big math equation. You're all about